Cyber Talk Radio. From the dark web to your radio dial, brought to you on 1200 WOAI. Welcome to Cyber Talk Radio, our second episode. We are here with Matt Wilbanks, CEO of Help Social, and I will introduce Matt in a moment. First, a little bit about myself. I'm Brett Pyatt, the host of CyberTalk Radio and a 20-year internet security veteran. This episode will be covering social media security. How do you keep yourself and your business safe when you're online? Matt, hello, hello. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So did you know you were here kicking off National Cybersecurity Awareness Month? I did know that as of very, very recent. So... This is uh, just started today. Uh, we'll have more coming up about National Cybersecurity Awareness Month uh, in a couple of weeks on our broadcast on October 15th. Yeah, awesome. Happy to be here. So we're going to talk social media security today. And in that, Help Social sounds like a social media company. Sounds like you may know a little bit about this. Go ahead and uh, give us a, a little bit about your background and how you found your way into social media and uh, understanding how to use it for business. Well, sure. So um, my my background into social media came um, maybe a little bit unorthodox compared to how most get into it. Um, myself and my co-founder, Robert Palazzo, uh, in Help Social, we were both working at Help Social at Rackspace uh, years ago. Now it's been nearly six years ago. Um, we were tasked with figuring out how to take Rackspace's fanatical support model and make it more proactive. We wanted to go out into social media and find customers who might have questions or have issues with Rackspace products uh, and reach out and help them. So my, my introduction really into social media for business was one of figuring out how to use it to help customers. Most people, I think, probably get into it more from a marketing side. How do we use it to create engagement and sell more of our product? And ours was very a backwards approach from that. And had you been on social media before you took this customer first approach or had you been a social um, advocate expert in, in the world or is, where did this come from? Yeah. So, I, um, yeah, good question. I, you know, I guess maybe like many, many, many other people, I, I've had personal accounts across social media, Twitter, Facebook, you know, MySpace. I, I, I had all those things for a long time. Um, at Rackspace, uh, at one point in time, I was working in an area that focused on um, advertising agency relationships. So um, I, I learned a little bit about uh, how those digital campaigns include social media to spread awareness of a product. Um, but I, I would say that, you know, while all that may have introduced me to a new market of it, really, really and truly at Rackspace, my, uh, the way that I got into it was that I, I was one of the people that just had been proactively reaching out to help customers when I happened to see them tweeting. It wasn't an organized thing by any means, but if somebody was mentioning Rackspace and they had an issue, I was a racker. Why not help them? So, and this uh, draws a, a good thing out to discuss around your personal account is what you were using there right. to then go and talk and represent your company. And you weren't the CEO of Rackspace at the time. You were... Uh, working in, as you said, the digital group that takes care of ad agency relationships. So 
using social media for business, do you have some tips and guidelines for people if they're going to use their personal account to help their company? Are there things that they should or should not be doing on that social media account? Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's really interesting um, that in, in the last 10, 10, 11, 12 years, we, we've come a very long way in the use of social media for business. Um, a decade ago, everybody was getting into it to share content and figure out how to try to generate more leads from their Facebook profile. Um, today, what we're seeing more of is a change in consumer behavior. Businesses have been so active from a marketing standpoint that we've changed consumers in the way that they like to interact with brands. And so now what we're seeing is that people are less and less likely to call in on the phone as they are to go to Twitter when they have an issue. Um, and, and so we're in this this time where all of this stuff is changing from even a call center that's used to handling everything through the phone or email, how do you incorporate Twitter into that? Um, you start mixing other employees into the mix where they want to be helpful and they're doing it from their own personal accounts, but the brand themselves may have guidelines of what you can say, who can be involved, who can't. Um, and so, you know, from a, a first, you know, first rule of thumb is probably before you reach out to anybody, before you say anything, um, go to somebody in your company and find out if there's a social media policy. If they already have guidelines on what you can and can't say, there are many companies that have put these together where they'll have their employees go through a series of training classes. Um, and so before, at some places, before you're even allowed to mention the brand, you need to go through some type of awareness training so that you're aware of what you can and can't say. And this uh, awareness training, if I'm a small business, I certainly don't have one in place. Um, yeah, probably not. Is there something for small businesses, a place they could go to read online or learn about what are the kind of top 10 things to tell their employees to do or not do on social media? Yeah, there, there actually is. So one of the things that we did at Rackspace a while back was we, we took our own social media policy that we were using uh, as a framework internally and we open source that. Um, so it, it, you can search it if you go to Google and you search for Rackspace social media policy right up there at the, the top hit. Uh, it'll take you to a place called github.com and you can see the exact social media policy that Rackspace uses. It's a great framework that anybody can start from. You can tweak it to you know fit however you think it should look, uh, but it's a, it's a great starting point. So that's uh, very good to hear. I love open source and a big supporter of sharing both software. But this is uh, open source in the sense that this is a document. Uh, for those listening not familiar right. with open source, you may hear that and believe that it's only software source code for software developers. It, this is likely uh, out there, and I haven't looked at it yet, but under what they call a Creative Commons license. This that's is right. a way uh, that music gets shared, uh, that all sorts of different documents and creative works are shared with other people. Uh, so that you can use them in your business or uh, personally without uh, having to go get some separate type of commercial uh, license from folks. So uh, great social media tip there uh, for folks to look at and get a, a policy. Maybe we need to look at that at my company. Uh, we haven't put one in place yet. And uh, now we're at the point where more than uh, just myself and our co-founder are uh, out there representing the company on social media. So yeah. uh, we may need to do that ourselves as well. So. Using your personal accounts and, and tying in, so you've got the social media policy in place, and now you're using 
that account. Now, how does that differ from a company account? Say I'm an owner of a business now and I want to create a uh, at my business on Twitter. And now that I've, I've done that and I've created this account, is there a distinction of how I should use my own Twitter account or Facebook account as the owner of a business versus my company account? Um, yeah, so there, there's a little bit of a personal preference thing in there. There's, there's not an exact right way to do it, right? Everybody's going to have a little bit different of an opinion or strategy in how they do it. But um, typically your, your business profile, the official business account, um, these are going to be things that you are posting information about, um, posting maybe opinions about that the business has, um, talking about your products. Uh, you may use it to help customers. This is things that, that are very, very officially represented uh, by the business. Um, where you might get involved from your own personal handle, um, this is where some of the personal preference starts getting in. Some, some companies are going to say that, um, no, we want everything to go through our official handle so that customers are very, very aware of where they should look for information, where they should look to for help. Um, but then you've got another group of folks that say, um, no, using my personal handle is good because it brings personality to the brand. That you know, our company is not just this logo behind the page. It's made up of all these really interesting people, um, and, and so those are those are things that, that you kind of weigh out the pros and cons of. But you have you have a mix of, of both. Um, there, there's an example with um, Comcast. Um, a, a lot of people attribute the um, the growth of a social customer service movement to a guy at Comcast that worked in customer service there. He created a handle. And I, I don't know this to be 100% for sure, but my understanding is that he created this Comcast Cares handle without any permissions or anything. He just saw people complaining about Comcast, created the Twitter handle, and started reaching out to customers to help. Um, that would be probably very far against their social media guidelines now at this point. Uh, but many years ago, that was a way that he reached out uh, himself, um, but, but kept it separate business and, and personal. So you're listening to CyberTalk Radio, 1200 WAI. We're here talking social media for business, and then we will talk about social media security in the second half. I'm here with Matt Wilbanks, the CEO of Help Social. He's our expert on today, guiding us through this topic. Uh, so we've covered uh, some general basics of personal social media, social media with your business account. Uh, now there's this concept on the internet called trolls. Um, Folks are familiar with this if you're on the internet, um, but for those that are not, Matt, can you give us a little bit of a your description of what is an internet troll? Yeah, sure. This is um, this is actually kind of a uh, I don't know if it's a phenomenon, but it's uh, it's something that Twitter especially is dealing with heavily right now. Social media in general, but but especially Twitter is getting a lot of heat for um, for the people that will troll other accounts. Essentially, what that means is that these are people that. Um, they may be using a fake Twitter name or an anonymous account. They might be using their own, um, but they're replying back to things um, and, and causing trouble. Uh, they're saying bad things or they're argumentative or they're, um, they're just not being very nice. And um, we, we used to have a saying at Rackspace, don't feed the trolls. You know, if, if somebody is not being nice, they're not carrying on in, in a manner that um, – we, we would feel would be respectful of, of our customers, of our employees, then we're not going to keep that. We're not going to re respond to it. We're not going to give them the satisfaction of carrying on. Um, 
Um, and, and by and large, that's what we found has been the most successful um, response back to them is just don't give them the attention that they're wanting. So this is, is like when you, you see two five-year-olds arguing with each other and they're they're going back and forth and each one is going to have the last word. That's and right. they'll just go on for hours and hours and hours until finally an adult in the room says, both of you, stop it. That's right. Yes. <laughs> so uh, I think I agree with you on the, the don't feed the trolls uh, piece. And, and there's many of these social platforms now uh, give the ability to block users, uh, especially in Facebook. You can even go in and moderate comments on your own page and on your company page uh, there. So if people are coming in posting nonsense that's not relevant, uh, you can go block that user or delete that user. That's right. Now that, that actually brings up um, something that's that's kind of sensitive, and this is a um, uh, this is a, a really popular question, especially from small businesses that are getting up and going. Um, so people will say, if, if somebody posts a negative review on my Facebook page, should I just delete that? Um, you know, if, if it's if if the review is, you know, if they're using foul language, if they're, uh, you know, if they're being really really nasty on there. Then, then yeah, you, you you probably want to delete that or at least hide it. But if it's just a review that's that's negative of your product, if you hide that, the social media community in general looks at that as a very negative thing. It, it looks at that as if you are trying to cover up what may be true about your product or at least this person's opinion of it. Um, the much better thing to do is to craft a response and reply very quickly. Be helpful. Reach out. Offer help. Um, demonstrate on the Facebook page so that other people can see you're trying to help this person. Um, in, in many cases, what happens is that through the efforts of reaching out to help and trying to satisfy whatever the issue is, um, that, that person can turn from a detractor to a promoter. They can end up starting to refer you business, refer customers. Um, maybe if they don't make it that far, a lot of them will come back and say, okay, thanks for your help. I really appreciate it. And so then the next people that go to your Facebook page and they see that conversation it might start with a bad review, then they see your company as really trying to help out, and then ultimately the resolution of, uh, of what good customer service brings. So you, you cited earlier there's a account out on Twitter, Comcast Cares. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll use this as an example to, to go through another scenario and topic here for businesses. So let's pretend that I'm a disgruntled Comcast customer, and I created an account, Comcast doesn't care. <laughs> and I would reply to all the other people that had a negative experience and I would amplify that and I would be sarcastic and mean and all of that, but I'm using someone else's company brand in my Twitter handle. Yeah. Uh, this happens to big businesses. They have a social media team and a legal policy team that goes and sends the notices. If I'm a small business though, and someone uh, creates a, my business doesn't care, how should I handle that as a small business with these big technology, social media things? Yeah, well, but, you know, for, for starters, don't reply to them publicly. Do, do not reply to their Twitter handle. Don't don't engage with them. So don't don't feed the trolls. Um, but the other side of it is that even, you know, whether it's Twitter or whether it's Facebook, they have a method to be able to report those users. Um, Twitter, especially with, um, with their user profile, there's a settings drop down menu that you can select. And you can report them for doing that very thing. It, it might be um, spamming behavior. It might be, um, you know, crude or foul behavior. Or it might be something specifically like um, representing a, a brand with bad intentions or, 
you know, using the logo without permission. Um, you can report that directly to Twitter, and, and they are actually very good about chasing that stuff down. They, they want people to report it because otherwise it's very hard for them to do that programmatically. So sh should I tweet from my Twitter handle to ask all of my friends and followers to also report it, or is one report good enough? But how does that go through and work to get action? I'm of the opinion that the more people that report it, the better. Um, you probably don't want to um, tweet openly, publicly to all your friends to report this person because, you know, again, that's that goes back to feeding the trolls. But send them a direct message and, and let them know what's going on, ask them to report it. Um, yeah, absolutely, I, I would do that. The more people that are reporting these types of things, uh, the, the better. The, you know, getting it taken care of faster and showing you. So business owners, uh, especially small business owners, uh, don't have a lot of time in their day. They feel overwhelmed in many cases with all the things that they're already responsible for. So uh, how do they add into their daily life to be involved, to check social media, to engage as a company or brand out there? Is this something that they can do and add to their day that's going to be productive, or is it just yet another thing that they may try and not do well? Yeah, that's a great question, too. Um, with, you know, so with a, a new small business that's just starting up, um, usually, um, most likely, there, there is very little social discussion about that business. The, the, the traffic is low. So when you when you think about it as um, a sacrifice of time that you're giving towards something, in, in the beginning stages, um, you're, you're probably going to be more concerned with just getting out new content so that people are engaged with you. Um, if people start talking about your brand and asking questions and, you know, if you even, even if you have trolls show up, there, there's a silver lining in that. It means that your brand is growing. People are recognizing you more. That people are talking about you. That that's actually a good thing. And so, um, you know, up front, this is not a major time commitment. It's it's this is thinking more about the marketing strategy of how you're using social media, the types of content that you're putting out. You know, where are your target customers? Um, trying to reach out to them there. Um, there are some great free tools. Um, you know, you can use TweetDeck or something like that. Twitter for Business, actually, uh, I believe it's twitterforbusiness.com. Um, search Twitter for Business in Google, you'll find it. Um, it's a great new dashboard, completely free uh, from Twitter, um, and it'll show you um, all, some great metrics on your follower accounts increasing, uh, engagement rates, how many people are clicking on your, your content. That, that's completely for free. Um, doesn't take much time at all to look over that thing and see what's going on. Facebook, same thing. They, they provide that uh, those types of things in the Facebook pages uh, dashboard. So there's a whole bunch of social media uh, services out there. There's Twitter, there's Facebook. Um, Twitter gets a lot of brand engagement. Uh, Facebook now has Facebook pages. These pages seem to be doing pretty well around brand engagement. Um, you have Instagram, which uh, I don't use personally, or uh, we don't use the company yet, which seems to have twice as many people on it as Twitter now, Yeah, um, but it's more picture-centric. That's right. Uh, so how do I decide as a business which type of social media network to build an audience on? There seems like a ton of choices. It seems almost overwhelming to start with. Yeah, so, you know, you want to think about where your target customers are. Um, and, you know, if you go to a place like Twitter and, um, and you start running searches for, 
maybe the types of products that you sell. Um, see how many people are talking about those products. If nobody's talking about them, then maybe Twitter isn't the best place to focus your time and attention. Um, if, if you're you know, very, very consumer facing and you're local to a community, um, go to Facebook and, and search and see what, what other groups and, and communities have been created there. Who, who's talking about this? And if you start seeing that people are talking about this kind of thing, then maybe Facebook is where you want to start putting your attention. I, I would say that um, I, I don't think it would be good necessarily to just pick just this one network and leave the others alone. You want to be able to reach out to everybody. So even if you're not spending much time on Twitter or Instagram, create the accounts, have a presence there, make sure that you know if somebody leaves a comment that, that you're getting email notifications of those comments. Um, and, and focus your energy where your customers are. With, with Rackspace, when we got involved, we, we had accounts everywhere, message boards and Facebook and, and everywhere. Um, but uh, at that point in time, our, our customers were very, very active on Twitter. And, and so Twitter is where we spent 95% of our focus. So going through the social media use, we've got uh, company policies that you need to have. We talked about having that available on GitHub. Uh, are there guides for, as you said, to engage, to build, to, to go and, and be successful? You mentioned be helpful a couple of times. Um, I think it's a, a great, just short phrase uh, and a great step one mindset. But after be helpful, uh, is it be helpful in, in response time? Does that matter? Is it answering the question clearly, but over a few course of a few days? What's the expectation that you see? Uh, from customers uh, or other folks in these conversations uh, out there on social media. Yeah, there's there are um, there are a lot of reports that have come out and and showing um, expectations around response rates and response times and I mean, how long it should take you to resolve an issue communicating over one of these networks. Um, the the one metric that that everybody seems to continue to report on is, is uh, how, how how able are you to respond effectively in less than an hour from when the first person first posted the comment? Um, I, personally, I, I don't know if that's the right metric to follow. I, for some brands, that that's not possible. Uh, you, you may not be able to respond in an hour. Um, for others, if you're not responding in less than five minutes, then that, that can be a problem. Um, I, I, I think the, the thing to realize is that the, the society we live in now is very, very um, on demand. And everybody wants whatever they want right now. They want it as convenient as possible. And so if you take it on yourself as a company, as a business owner, um, how, as fast as you can reply with the correct information to provide a great quality experience, that should be your starting goal. And, and maybe that's not an hour. Maybe that's, you know, every day at lunch, you're going to make sure that you're logging into your accounts and responding to whatever's there, and and eventually, you know, it's then you focus on how can I improve it, what what can I do better so that I can respond in you know now two and a half hours versus every five hours or whatever it is. Yeah. What are your thoughts on auto responders? For those unaware, an auto responder, there's these services you can sign up for that will send a, a pre-canned message back to every person that engages with you or you follow someone on Twitter, it'll direct message them with a pre-canned engagement. Yeah. 
Um, I think they have their place. By and large, I'm not a huge fan of them. I think social media, what what it really brings to the table is is the opportunity to create a relationship with a customer that may not really and truly have any interest in creating a relationship with you. You know, as people are pulling away from the phones more and they're going to digital communication like texting, social media brings a way that we can still foster that relationship. And, and if you script that and if you use canned responses too heavily, um, that, that completely removes that. And, and it's, it's very obvious to see when somebody is responding with canned messages and, and especially the same pen all the time. Um, you know, if, if you have a new follower to your company account and you want to reply back with a direct message that says, thanks for following us in case you need anything, here's our support phone numbers and, you know, here's how to reach us, you know, things like that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But um, I, I, I use them, but be careful in how you use them. Remember that this is about building relationships. You're listening to CyberTalk Radio. Uh, we're talking social media for your business. And after the break, we will be talking social media security with Matt Wilbanks, the CEO of Help Social. Welcome back to CyberTalk Radio. You're here with Matt Wilbanks, CEO of Help Social. And myself, the host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran. And the topic we have today is social media security. Uh, before the break, we covered all about using social media for your business, your personal accounts, how you should or should not mix those. If you missed that, you can go to www.cybertalkradio.com and access the archive section. This show will be posted on Tuesday, uh, October the 4th. So, Matt. Getting into social media security, we'll uh, bounce around a number of topics. But the, the first one I wanted to start with is your username and your password. And you've created a social media account. Uh, any recommendations for people around what they should and shouldn't do for username and password security? Because this seems to be the, the most common number one way that, that people get their social media accounts hacked. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It, it's um, using a weak password and somebody hacks your account and they take over and start doing crazy stuff. Um, social media accounts, just like any others, you want to use very, very strong passwords. Um, there are a lot of things that are built into browsers now, Safari and Chrome and others, where they can suggest strong passwords for you so you don't have to remember a, a, a random 28-digit random character password. Um, but you know, use something that's very strong. Um, Use a lot of characters, differentiate what types of characters you're using. Um, but you definitely want to set up a strong password and, and make it difficult for somebody to guess uh, how, how to log into your account. And should I use the same password on all of my social media accounts? Well, you probably shouldn't, no. Um, you know, if, if you, um, you can sign up for an account at uh, lastpass.com. Uh, there's other apps like 1Password if you want to keep everything uh, in your mobile phone. But these services allow you to... Um, have one master password that you log into those accounts with. Um, and then you can store all of the different passwords you use for all of your different social media accounts. Now, I, I'm a realist. I know many people are not going to do that. They're going to use the same password for every different account across the Internet. Um, and so if you do that, make sure that that is a very strong password and consider changing it regularly. And if I had this extra strong password, should I email a copy of it to myself or put it in a Google Doc? Or if I've got a whole bunch of passwords I use, should I put them all in a Google Doc instead of LastPass or one of these other password managers? 
Probably not. You you don't you want to you don't want to store that in any place that's not secure. Um, you know, if you're wherever you work, you don't write it down on a post-it note, stick it on your monitor where anybody walking by can see it. Um, you you want to make sure that that wherever you are storing it, it's very secure. Now, the other thing that you can do that can help a lot is enabling two-factor authentication. Um, so Gmail and Twitter and Facebook and so many other sites now um, offer two-factor authentication. Um, where you can use text messaging from your mobile phone or, or download uh, an authentication app. And so that gives another level of security. So even if somebody figures out what your password is, they're not going to have your authentication token um, that, that only you would have. Um, so if, if that is available, it is highly recommended to enable that and use it. So uh, you've covered a couple of good things. First, use unique passwords everywhere. Second, on the services that support it, consider turning on two-factor authentication, especially when this is your business and your yeah. brand. If you have a single password that you're using everywhere, and one of those trolls we mentioned before the break now turns from troll into hacker and they get into your account, now they can troll your customers under your brand, or they can troll your friends under your identity. And your friends may be very upset at you on Facebook. Your friends may decide they're no longer your friend, and some of those folks, even after you get out of your account being hacked, I'm sure we've, we've all uh, that have been active on social media have seen this, where the day after your friends apologizing for what they said last night, and it wasn't from a, a drinking binge, it was because they got hacked and this, this attacker was in their account doing who knows what from, from in there. Yeah, that's right. A, a lot of times you see um, the behavior of somebody's account will, will completely change. Random links to sign up for discounted you know, fake purses and all kinds of stuff will just start streaming out uh, emails that copy all of your contacts and, and they're advertising some some strange products. All of that type of stuff happens. And, and you know, the, the, I think the crazy thing about it is that it's, it's not, it's usually not that people are following you personally or your business personally and trying to figure out how to get into your account, all that, although that does certainly happen. Um, more often, this happens from um, bots and, and programs that people create to scan social networks and just try to find random accounts that they can get into that they can then start exploiting. Um, so it's it's not that that's why it's 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 very important to try to pick something that you know your password that's not related to um, information that you share. You know it shouldn't be your birthday. It shouldn't be you know your last name and then a number. It needs to be strong. My, my password to Twitter should be the word Twitter. That's right. It's, yeah. For the word, word Facebook is eight characters long. Please don't use Facebook as a password on Facebook. Yeah. Facebook <laughs> probably prevents that now, but these are the examples of things not to do. Right. So you mentioned links. And so Twitter's famous. It created the URL shortening community basically was created around Twitter and that 140 character tweet limit. So there's all these recommendations that you should look at the destination of the URL before you click on it uh, to avoid email phishing and things. But when there's a URL shortener that's been used, there's no way to know what the real destination is until you click on it. Yeah. So if your friend sends you a direct message, if I sent you a DM on Twitter and said, hey, Matt, check out this new social media tool, how do you make that decision? Should I trust Brett and click on this link? Should I not trust Brett? What do you do in that scenario? Well, if, if you emailed me personally and, and you said you should try this, I would say, I don't know, I'm just kidding. We, um, if, you're, if you're receiving those types of emails or, or uh, text messages or uh, tweets or what, you know, whatever form the message comes from, you, you can, if you step back and, and just use a, a little bit of, of common sense on it, does this make sense 
would, would Brett send me a link to buy fake versus that have been imported from China? Probably not. Uh, if, if Brett emailed me and said, hey, check out the link to uh, download this show and, and hear how we did, then that makes sense. I'm going to click. Um, just about every browser now, if you hover over a link with your mouse, uh, then somewhere down at the bottom or at the top, it, it will expand the URL for you. Without clicking on it, you can see exactly where that's going. Um, there are also plenty of websites that are URL expanders. So if um, somebody tweets you something and uh, you're hovering over the link and you can't see exactly what it is, um, copy that link, go to one of the URL expanding sites, and it will expand it. It won't open it up. You know, It's not going to take you anywhere dangerous. It's not going to download anything. But it, it'll, it'll show you what the root of that shortened URL is. It'll, it'll tell you exactly where it's going. So that's one attack vector that's pretty common uh, on different social media platforms. We talked about direct message communication. Now, um, say that I'm going on the Facebook uh, page for my favorite restaurant, and I see a, a message on Facebook for my favorite restaurant. It's, it's someone that says, hey, click on this link to download a 20% off coupon. Uh, they just made this promo available today. Uh, as a user, I'm going to be very leery about something like that. As a business owner, if that is an attack, this isn't a real coupon that I put somewhere up on the internet, what should I do in that aspect? We talked before the break about reporting people for spamming or trolling, but now this is an actual situation where someone's coming on to my business page and putting up something to try to commit a crime against my customers and the visitors to my business page. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's something that you want to watch very, very carefully. Um, you know, if, if it's something that's happening in social media, like we said before, we, you can report that through Twitter. Um, they make it very easy from the profile pages. Click the little gear icon and in the drop-down box, report the user and select the reason. Um, if, if it's something that they're doing on your website, um, that, that's something that, that should be taken down very, very quickly. Um, if, if there's if there's something that's uh, you suspect is a malicious attempt at getting information or access to things, or um, then you know just from your own content management system for your website, uh, go and take the comment down. Um, but that, that's something that you want to act on very very quickly. And so you can act on it quickly. But, but these are big. I mean, if you're a small business, in the case big kind of scary technology companies. There was a, a pretty um, a well. Uh, established uh, local restaurant here that had their Facebook business page hacked yeah. uh, in the past month or two. Uh, and it took them reaching out uh, to Facebook like two weeks to get their page back. They're still not even sure how the page got hacked because uh, it didn't appear that any of their individual accounts were compromised. Uh, just all of a sudden the page had a new admin on it. Uh, and with that type of attack, uh, there's the like contact us through Facebook. Uh, and are there recommendations you have for businesses to reach out to employees, customers, other folks about that type of incident, or do you just pretend it doesn't happen until you get it resolved? Well, if, if it's if it's in the process of it happening, if, if your Facebook page is compromised and there's all kinds of crazy stuff on there, then then yes, I, I would proactively. Uh, reach out to employees and anybody else that might see it, customers certainly, um, so that you can tell them, you know, hey, this is what's going on. We're working, you know, through proper channels and authorities to have to take care of. Um, let, let them know what's going on. Something to think about is that, you know, in the case of this business, if, if it didn't look like, you know, maybe their their passwords were still fine, if, you know, if they, they didn't get through um, like personal accounts that led to their Facebook page, something to think about is that, 
um, Twitter, Facebook, Google, the, mainly those three, but LinkedIn does it. A lot of them do it. They provide easy ways to log into third-party applications. Um, so I might download an application that allows me to see, I don't know, the latest news stories that are being posted on Twitter. Or um, I might see uh, an application that allows me to stream all the pictures that my friends on Facebook, Facebook are posting. Um, well, all of those third-party apps, they have an authentication with the social network. And you're giving that third-party app certain permissions to be able to go in and do different activities. Um, for some, the permissions might be very restricted. It might just be um, go in and pull information. Um, for others, the permissions are much more open. It, it might allow them to post. It might be able to get access to all your information. Now, that that in the third-party app, that might be okay. But if your password isn't strong on that third-party app, or maybe if the business owners of that third-party app get hacked, you could be compromised through that app. And now they not only have your account there, but they have ties into Facebook and Twitter and wherever else it's, it's logged in. So one of the things that, that we used to do at Rackspace and that, and that we still do as a company now called Social is that periodically we'll go through all of our social properties and we'll de-authenticate every single third-party app that's on there, even the ones that we that we are pretty sure we know where this is tied to. Um, we'll do that just as a precaution, just in case. Um, maybe there's something that we're not using anymore or, uh, you know, just in case one of those things gets compromised. So this is, a, in effect, a social spring cleaning. A social spring cleaning, that's right. That's right. Well, and, you know, if you think about it, too, you know, with mobile phones, app stores, so many of the apps come from very small startups that uh, might be here today and gone tomorrow. And uh, if their application is left up and running and somebody happens to get a hold of that somehow, you know, you may not have used it in three years, but if it still has access to your information, you're still exposed. Yeah. So uh, most of these social services uh, support the concept of uh, an admin and then multiple individual users can be assigned underneath that company business account. Some networks uh, do a pretty good job of that. I'll say Facebook's permission management seems really good. LinkedIn seems uh, to be okay. Twitter's does not seem to be as sophisticated. Um, I know, like, that. Jungle Disk, we use Help Social to manage uh, some of the permissions around the Jungle Disk account uh, for uh, our users. How should companies think about giving different employees access to their social media accounts? The time is back in the security. How do you ensure that your employees are using good passwords everywhere? Because I see this sort of trail of breadcrumbs is what leads to many of these different compromises is you could be doing all the things right as the business owner on your accounts or on the social accounts for your company, but if one of your employees that's authorized and you don't have a good password policy overall or a way to enforce it, they end up creating that compromise that goes back through to your company page. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, you know, from a social from a social profile standpoint, who has access, um, controlling access, you know, just as a blanket rule, it's it's not a bad idea to restrict. Um, the number of people who have access to the to the master account to be able to log into your Twitter account at twitter.com. That that should be very, very that should be a very few number of people. Um, the, the better thing to do is to use something like uh, TweetDeck maybe uh, or Help Social like you brought up earlier. Um, use something else to manage your properties where you can give access to uh, controlled access to your employees to be able to do what you want them to be able to do with it. Some people, you may want them to be able to see all the information. You may not want them replying to company handles. Third parties allow you to do that uh, where Twitter doesn't. Facebook, you're right, has, has a, a lot better control over uh, who you can give access to to manage your page and 
and perform different actions. Um, but but even even in the case of Facebook, um, you know, using a third-party app to kind of put all of that together in one place, that, that makes it a lot easier to manage. You're here with us on Cyber Talk Radio on 1200 WOAI. Uh, tonight's topic is social media security. Uh, we're here with Matt Wilbanks, the CEO of Help Social, and we've covered many, many different things from just basic password policy to your social pages getting hacked. But as we talk through this, uh, we haven't yet covered um, the ties of the topic from last week's show, which is the rise of artificial intelligence and chatbots. So we, we've talked a little bit about people hacking your account and you get this obviously spammy thing of, hey, Matt, you should buy these fake purses from China. But now, uh, as we start to see uh, some of these chatbots coming out there, these canned replies don't look so canned anymore. Um, maybe these fake accounts don't look as fake anymore. If I'm a business and I have people liking my page or then people want to try to friend me directly on Facebook and these maybe are customers of my business, uh, do you have thoughts and recommendations there around uh, how you should engage as a business owner? Because maybe I have information I share with my friends on Facebook and my profile, I can control those settings um, versus the public pieces that get shared. Yeah, I, I think you, you, you want to, whether you're chatting with a one of the new chat bots on Facebook uh, or, you know, with anyone that you're chatting with, whether it's a person or something backed by artificial intelligence, I, I think you want to think about what information do you want out there? Um, what information do you want to share publicly? Um, with, with many businesses, we typically recommend um, you, you want to reply to a customer publicly and say, you know, we're here to help. How can we help answer questions publicly? Um, but then take, the, take that conversation into private messages, into direct messages. Um, so then they, they can share information that will help you to help them, uh, and it's not out there for the public to see. Um, you know, in, in sharing information, kind of coming back to security and, and, and not necessarily hacking, but uh, one of the things that happens a lot is um, social engineering. And so when you're when you're having conversations in public with other people that may be totally innocent and genuine, you may be revealing information about yourself or about your circumstances or you know things that you like or don't like um, that can be used by others to gain access into things that you don't want them to get access to. So a, a very very common practice of this is um, people looking into social networks and looking at uh, information that, that you freely provide out in public. And then calling into the bank, trying to get access to your bank account. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's not hard to find information on people. If you're traveling, you know, somebody might say, I, you know, I'm on the road, I'm traveling right now, I'm trying to get access to my account, and I can't remember my password. And they'll guide you through some security questions. And if you're providing enough information out there where they can realistically convince that customer service agent that, you know, they have good reasons for not being able to answer the security questions right now, but you know, they are really you. Um, th those are things that you need to think about. Um, when um, one of the things that we, uh, we've always said is that uh, once it's tweeted, it's never deleted. That you could go to your own Twitter account and you could delete that. But in my third party application, that tweet is cached. I can still see it even if you delete it. Uh, everything that is going through Twitter is being archived in the Library of Congress. So th there are records of this stuff out there everywhere. If you don't want people to know the information, don't say it. And that's even with uh, a place like Facebook, where 
initially Facebook was was really difficult around permissions and you know who can see what. It's hugely complicated to control that stuff, and and it, it still is a little bit complicated, but they've cleaned it up a lot. With Facebook, lock your permissions down to the level that you're comfortable with, but then pretend like they are completely open to the public. Don't share anything you wouldn't want everybody to see. And, and as long as that, as long as you're kind of going by that guideline, that rule, um, then then you're you're keeping yourself in, in a much much safer position. So as a, a business, uh, and I'm out there monitoring my business social media accounts, and I'm taking care of those. Uh, should I be monitoring my employees' social media accounts to see if they've been hacked or compromised or to see if they're saying things they should or shouldn't say about my, my brand? Yeah, that's, that's, a, uh, that's a hot topic in that um, even though it's public social media that, that this is out there for us all to see, um, should a business be monitoring their employees' Twitter accounts or Facebook pages or whatever? Um, there, there are opinions all, all around it. Um, one of the things that, that is, is um, recommended um, is that, at least for the business, you want to be able to identify the people who are talking about you. And so if anybody that says, that mentions your business name, you, you want to know that if, is this a customer, is this a business partner, or is it an employee? And using applications, third-party tools like, that have CRM qualities that allow you to enter in that type of information, this is the customer, this is the employee, that type of thing is, is very, very um, effective in helping to protect your employees. So a, a great example of this is that if, if you work for a publicly traded company and you own stock in that company, uh, if you are approaching the end of the quarter and uh, things are looking really good, it, it's against SEC rules for you to go out and say, you should go buy stock in this company. So that's against insider trading. Well, if, if I'm monitoring for mentions of my company and I see that this is you know, one of my employees that's saying you should go buy stock, they, they might be doing that innocently, just believing in the company and believing in the product. Um, but as an employer, I can come back and say, hey, this, is, this could get you in serious trouble. Can you delete the tweet? Um, not something that would be used punitively, um, but something that, that can be used to protect them. Also, just helpful to understand uh, how, how people are feeling about things that are happening or happening around the company. If there's a certain food vendor that comes in every Tuesday and everybody's complaining about it, I'd like to know that. So there's good information that you can get out of understanding who you're, who is talking about you. And as a business, is it okay for me to ask all of my employees to friend me on Facebook if I'm that business owner? Well, you you can you can certainly do that. I I, I don't. That, yeah, that's a good question. There, there are so many opinions on either side of this. I, I don't think that I would. I, I think that I, I would. I would say that um, you know, here's our Facebook page. We're trying to create engagement. Uh, if if you would like to share this, here's how you do it. You know, let them know how. I, I don't think that I would make that a requirement or, or make it seem like it's a requirement. There, there is actually there's discussions um, amongst. Uh, the social networks at a higher level around guidelines and policies that they may be coming out with soon, talking about um, what employers can and can't do with regards to public data published by their by, by their employees. It, there's all kinds of stuff around this. There there have been lawsuits that have gone on and on about people that have tweeted things and gotten fired over it, and whether the employer really had just cause for firing them. Um, there are lots of conversations around that stuff. 
So in closing here, uh, if we've got three tips and recommendations, uh, it sounds like we uh, covered pick a good password and a separate one on each service. Uh, be honest and helpful with your brand, engage with folks. Uh, you, you can't really ignore this. Um, and in the event that something happens, contact the social networks while they are big internet technology companies. They're very responsive about managing their own brand on their own platforms. Uh, anything else that you wanted to add here as we wrap up? Yeah, no, I, you know, I, I think um, we, we focus a lot around um, the how to protect yourself and, and, you know, the potentials of what bad can happen. There, there are certainly those risks out there, but if you're careful, if you're using strong passwords, if you're, uh, if you've got two-factor authentication set up, if you're following some basic security parameters, you're putting yourself in a, in, in a good uh, in a good position to be able to use social media effectively. I, I don't think that for business owners, um, whatever security risks are out there, I don't think that that is a reason to not use social media. If, if you want to build relationships with your customers and doing it and do it in a way that uh, is is you know, a way that customer communication is headed, you've got to figure out how to use social media effectively. Well, thank you for joining us tonight, Matt, on CyberTalk Radio. Uh, you can visit our website at www.cybertalkradio.com, where uh, the archive for this show and future and past shows will all be available. If you would like to be a guest or have an idea for a topic, uh, you can also join us there and post that up. Um, this is News Radio 1200 WOAI.